It was another three points for the Raw in the A-League. The W-League is back this weekend, and the NPL is also underway. Kind of. It's a mostly dry edition of the Brisbane Football Review, starting right now. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's a two-man show today with Adam still off gallivanting around Europe, so if you're following at home, by process of elimination, that just leaves myself, James, and I'm joined by Scott. Scott, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? We shouldn't claim out the rain, though. It's certainly necessary around the state at the moment, but if Adam wants to bring back that nice Mediterranean sunshine, we won't complain. Yeah, if they happen to make Brisbane a little bit drier and maybe send the rain a little bit out west, we certainly wouldn't complain about that at all. But Absolutely. Either way, I'm good, a bit sore and sorry today, but I'll soldiering through. I think this is a time of year where everyone's playing a little bit hurt. Absolutely. It's about a month into the working year. It's time to have a couple of days off. <laughs> Something like that's that. That's my yeah. plan anyway. Hopefully no one I work with listen to this, but that's ah. my plan. Don't, don't worry, no one listens to us. Absolutely. Anyway, yes, this is Brisbane Football Review. Um, contact information, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review, we're still negotiating that, not with Mr. Zuckerberg directly, but maybe if he, by some miracle, does listen, he'll hear our pleas to change the Facebook name. Twitter. If you change the automated response that the bots give out, that'd be fantastic. That'd be a nice start. I'm sick of getting that same response back over and over again. That would be nice. Uh, Twitter, at BNE Football, and on those two social accounts, you can find our extensive coverage of Brisbane Raw games and all NPL, NPLW and uh, FQPL scores, results, updates, and all of that over the seasons as they're going along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A couple of games over the... Oh, not over the weekend, actually, they were midweek. Only a couple after of games. After the rain, yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right, so we've got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, we've got uh, the Raw's win over Adelaide. We've got... Well, kind of, the opening round of MPL Queensland action. Part of it. Yes, and some transfer news, some other news, and of course we're going to look ahead to the, I guess we'll call it the uh, Scott McDonald derby against Western United on Sunday as well. Well, the fiery derby after what happened last time here at Suncorp Stadium, that was quite interesting, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, so we've got a lot to uh, cover today, so let's get right into it. Saturday night, Suncorp Stadium, you were there, I was doing my best to follow along while commentating, but in the end it was a 2-1 win for the Raw, and their fantastic start to 2020 continues. It did, and it's very similar to a lot of games we've seen from the Raw this season. In the first half, it's a bit of a struggle with both sides pretty even, and the second half, once Adelaide did get their goal, the Raw did start to get on top. I think the substitutions they maybe might talk about in a minute helped change the flow of the game, but the Raw as a second half team have been really impressive this year, and it continued again on Saturday. Well, that's it, and I think that's what you're starting to see from a lot of the players, you know, in that mix that they've got in the squad, where you've got the young and energetic guys, and you do also have uh, the guys like, well, Scott McDonald, yeah. Tom Aldridge, the experienced leaders who know how to work their way into a game in what was, let's be honest, not all that pleasant conditions. It was it was monsoonal at one point, James, I can tell you that much. I, well, I, the I, I rain the... looked really, really bad. It was bad as, almost as bad as we've seen at Suncorp. Remember the Qatar World Cup qualifier? I was actually thinking It was of... like that. It was a combination of that, the game which was called off. And remember the Gold Coast derby on Boxing Day? That, that was, was actually my yeah. uh, point of That's reference. That's the one that no one references. No one remembers that one. Yeah, that the... was awful. Well, yeah, but that was fun, actually. To be yeah, fair. that was actually a lot of fun to just sit there and watch. And thankfully, they didn't have to repaint the lines in the 83rd <laughs> minute like they did that night. But either way, I suppose... Okay, I want to get into the big picture first and foremost. And that is, how are the Raw like, dealing with their slow starts? Because... For me, I think it's fine. It's fine for the moment, but I do kind of worry about giving themselves it all to do in the second half of the game. 
It is a problem when you're doing that because, I mean, look, it's worked out okay this year. It's pretty much every team, apart from Sydney, when they played down there the first one. They've been in games at halftime, which if you can be a good, really strong second-half team and in the game at halftime, you've got a chance of get, getting something out of it. So it is beneficial, but the lack of really clear chances in the first half in games, not just goals, is a bit of a concern. That's it. All right, so there was one change to the starting lineup. Obviously, Scott Neville was uh, suspended after his red card against yeah. Sydney FC, and in came Daniel Bowles much as, well, pretty much everybody expected. Yeah, that was not much of a surprise. It worked okay. I mean, Daniel Bowles has been dependable all year, and I think we all saw that change coming last week on the show. Definitely. Well, and also Daniel Bowles is quite clearly the fourth-choice central defender for the club, so... Yeah, I absolutely. Think I think got young guys after that who I think are still developing, so... Absolutely. All right, well... Let's uh, quickly take a break and hear from Brisbane Raw manager Robbie Fowler. Yeah, I, I, look, I think from uh, from day one uh, we've been a fit team. Um, you've still got to go out there and earn the right. You know, so as much as you are fit, you've still got to play football. You've got to play the right way. Uh, look, and I know there's a big thing about you know football over here at the minute. Um, look, we are, you know, we don't want to be too gung ho where you know you attack, we attack. You know, first half I think it's just about trying to control the game and you know and doing doing it the right way. You know, it might not be to everyone's cup of tea. Uh, you know, people want back and forth. You know, we, we don't really want that. You know, we want to try and get control of the game. And if it takes us till 50, 60 minutes to get a goal, then, you know, so be it. But I think that's just what it is. Um, it's just a case of, look, playing the way we can. Um, and hopefully if we work hard in the opposition, uh, hopefully the, the little bit of quality that we can show at times uh, will we'll, we'll shine through. All right, so that was Robbie Fowler after the match. They're talking about the Raw's second half strength. And... I think I saw a stat today. They've scored 13 goals in the last half hour of uh, matches so far this season. Far and away, the best tally in the competition. So, look, I'd I'd much rather see them getting stronger as the match goes on. Maybe it is also a case of the team wearing down opponents or the conditions on Saturday night wearing down Adelaide. Because, okay, it was raining, but it wasn't exactly cold. And it was really freaking humid, at least where I was up at... Uh, Morton Bay Sports Complex calling the Penn Power game. I was sweating and I was just standing there. Well, leaving the ground about half an hour after the game was pretty humid, so certainly that's a part of it. You about the fitness of the Raw when teams come up here, that humidity plays a big factor and it probably it probably does. I mean, you wear teams down over the course of 90 minutes because of the fact they're not used to that humidity, so that's probably a big part of it. It's also something the Raw have done a lot down the years. Think of all the, all the late goals they've scored, some of them more memorable than others, but a lot of late goals is it's been a bit of a staple for the Roar, and it's the same under Robbie Fowler. It's just the first half is not quite delivering the amount of goals we would like at the moment. Definitely. All right. Um, it was a goal from Ben Halloran that opened things up yeah. for the game, wasn't it? It was a good strike, too, actually, on the half volley. I mean, look, it's it one of the best nice. strikes I've seen at Suncorp for a while. I was going to say, it would have been nice if he did that when he was playing for the Roar at Suncorp, but, you know, we might get onto that a little bit more later. I'm going to let that go through to the keeper, I think. <laughs> Well, oh yeah, it was a good strike from Ben Halloran, but then obviously the Raw managed to rally. It was goals from uh, Mirza Muradovic and Tom Aldred, who became, according to you, the 88th and 89th goal scorers for the Brisbane Raw A-League side. I hope my math is right now you've thrown me under that bus. I'm pretty sure it is. Well, look, it's host, it's what I do. I throw you under the bus and rely on other people to say the smart, witty things and just try and keep things rolling. They did score the goals, but it was actually Scott McDonald who created both opportunities. He was the one who broke through to get the first shot off on goal, which resulted in the scramble, which Muratovic finished. Then his little cross from the short corner to Alder for the second was fantastic. So he hasn't scored a goal yet for the Raw, but he's having big big impact in creating chances at the moment in that front, though, which is probably what he was brought in to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it does say a lot to the work ethic of Scott McDonald. And... I want to touch quickly on the handball shouts about five seconds before Muradovic's goal. Now, I looked at it when I was watching the game on replay. I actually thought it would have been, it would have been uh, or could very easily have been a penalty and red card on VAR review. I yeah. don't want to say VAR review because that's just extra words. Yeah. But I think they actually were checking that because when they kept the play going because we were in an attacking phase and they were checking the VAR after the goal was given, which I can only assume was going to be for a red card. And a penalty as well, because... Yeah, that would have been ridiculous when they the Raw score a goal and that we're going to rule it out and have make it take a penalty. I think that would have been ridiculous, but they may very well have been checking, you're right, because that would have been the first thing that happened in the in the sequence. Absolutely. Well, that actually would have been one of those big tests of VAR that we've always been asking about over the years, is, you know, what happens if there's a red card offence, uh, then the team that would have... Yeah, then they go on and yeah. score. Well, basically, that situation... Yeah, we almost got the answer to what that answer is going to be. They're going to let the goal that was actually scored stand and... 
They still must have been looking to check if it was a clear red card offence, because maybe they would have given the red card anyway. Unless they were just so happy that the rule went on and scored, they just went, okay, that's fine, let's just keep it rolling. Because <laughs> I do think there are actually, you know, not to look a gift horse in the mouth, mouth, but there probably is a little bit of a good argument to be made about whether or not that actually should have, at the very least, been a yellow card, if you think it was a handball, which I would say, given the precedent of 50-50 handball calls... You could easily, very easily have seen it being given. Given the one we saw last week in the Raw game against City, you could, I very well argue that. But I don't think they can rule on yellow card offences, to be honest. But I definitely think the VAR would have been very, very happy the Raw did score that goal because it certainly took all the pressure off them in terms of having to make a decision. Was it a clear handball? Was it a was it denying a goal-scoring chance? Was it directly on the arm or did it hit somewhere else? And all the rest of it. All the questions I have to ask they were able to avoid in this occasion. And I'd say I'm quite glad we avoided VAR controversy on Friday night. I could do well without it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, well didn't have any, the MPL any VAR controversy? I didn't don't think so. No, thankfully. Lucky. Uh, yes, <laughs> but uh, we will actually quickly touch on Mirza Muradovic, who yeah did score his first A League goal for the Raw, and hopefully it's the start of many in his uh, career in Orange and Black. And let's hear what the manager had to say about that right now. Well, it was brilliant. It's his first goal, and obviously we're delighted. Um, but he's earned the goal. Um, you know, he's been he's been on the periphery all year. Uh, he gets in. Uh, you know, he does well. Um, you know, initially, but you know, when you come into teams uh, as a young kid, you can have that that high rise and then you know a little bit of a a bit of a low. Um, looking with Captain with us, um, and he's look, he's been he's been brilliant. He's been in and around the training with us all the time. You know, and he looks an handful. You know, you, you've seen his performances. You've seen what he can bring. Uh, you know, you can see what what he can do. So uh, you know, we're delighted as a club because uh, you know, getting your, your first goal is is special. It really is. Um, you know, I'm. I know that he'll remember me for something good now, giving him a good start. So uh, that's what we're, we're pleased with. But, you know, you know, good luck to the kid and hopefully he'll go on and score um, you know, a lot more. OK, so that was Robbie Fowler there, obviously. Pretty pleased with his young striker. And it is interesting just looking at the mix of the attacking lineup as well with the fact that you've got the two young strikers, Wenzel Halls and Muratovic. I still feel like their best combination, if you're going to have one of those two involved is probably having Muradovic in from the start and then Wenzel Hall's off the bench. You know, maybe it's a 45-45 split sort of thing, but then you've got to also question about Aaron Holloway, Aaron Amati Holloway, my apologies, and then also about um, how the rest of the setup's going to go because I do think you've got to start Scott McDonald with the way that he's playing. I think it might be a case of both Wenzel Hall's and Muradovic play three or four games in a row starting, and then if they start to fatigue or look like they need to prove a break, from starting, you swap them over, and I think that might be what actually happens this weekend. We might talk about that later on, but I think that might happen. And for for Muradovic, it's a real boost in confidence and to get that first goal, as Robbie Fowler mentioned in that clip. Is absolutely it's you have to, once you get the first goal, it's all the monkeys off your back. You can relax. No one's going to keep asking you when you're going to score a goal, etc. You can just play with confidence. And it wasn't the most clean strike he's ever hit. In his career, but it was it's a decent strike. It's going to be one that he absolutely remembers when his career finishes. I will absolutely remember his first goal. It doesn't matter how it goes in or not. The fact that it went in, and I'm sure confidence-wise, he'll only go, he'll only build from that from here. Absolutely, and also, you know, it does probably uh, bear witness of, you know, he's playing with a guy who knows plenty about being asked when are you going to score your first <laughs> goal in Scott McDonald's. Yeah, I'm sure he's sick of answering that question. Every time someone enters the national team and scores in their first or second game, I think he just shuts off his social media <laughs> for a good couple of days because he knows what's coming. And can you blame him? Of course, it was another first-time goal scorer for the Raw. It wasn't his first of his professional career, but a very, very useful one from Tom Aldred uh, getting on to the end of a pretty decent cross. Speaking of players who don't score goals very often, I think it's two or three years since... Tom Alder had scored from memory, which I was talking about as well. So, look, again, it's a really important goal for him. Again, it's another set-piece goal for the Raw. This is the third or fourth now this season. It's a real strength of this side. Not just with the long corners put in. This was a short corner routine. And, it, it again, it worked. All you can say is it worked. And it's a real strength of this side. And if they do project into making the finals, those games are typically very, very tight. So if you've got a strength like set-pieces, that could be the difference. Absolutely. And, look... With the way that the Raw played, even, you know, going back to the days under Ange Postacoglu where they're a bit more of a finesse team rather than, like, brute force, it is nice actually watching a Raw corner and thinking, hey, something might actually come of this. It had been a while, hadn't it? Yeah. I think they went about 18 months without scoring a goal, and now, from the corners anyway, now that's every other week almost, because I think that's two, I think Scott Neville got one against Wanderers a couple of weeks ago. And against the Mariners. Yeah, so it's quite a regular occurrence now, which is, again, really positive. It's... 
it's no longer just a hidden hope corner into the box, which often gets cleared by the first man. Now it's a genuine chance could be coming from this. Definitely. And more often, not even not just the goals that were scored, there's been other chances as well from those corners that haven't been haven't gone in. So it's a real weapon. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that was pretty much everything that I wanted to cover from the game. Obviously, the Raw up to sixth place on the ladder now, and yeah. I should also mention Mohamed Toure for Adelaide. He was fantastic when he came. He was in that 15 minutes. He was fantastic to watch, and he'll be he'll be a real handful for this league as long as he's here. He yep. mightn't be here that long actually, if he because the talent he's got, he just needs a few regular games in the A League, and someone overseas may very well have some interest in picking him up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now, because it is only the two of us, we are going to try and power through this as best as we can and going to touch on a couple of uh, raw news stories that have come up in the last couple of days, really, because yes. as of about this time yesterday, we weren't 100% sure what we were going to be covering in the news segment, but we'll lead off with the raw seeking to play more games at Dolphin Stadium in 2020 and 2021. Uh, quote from Chris Fong, Suncorp Stadium has become an extremely heavy financial burden for us when we don't hit our numbers and we can't afford to risk that anymore. It makes it makes some sense. The story it? was from the Courier Mail. Yes, it came out I think that a day or the two days after the initial story we talked about last week of the boutique stadium being back in place. It does make some sense when you we'll think about it. We'll get on to that. It. Yeah, it makes sense when you think about it. But I don't think you would want to take too many more games to Dolphin that are currently there because it's it's just it is a very, very difficult balance for the Raw. At the moment they don't have much option but to play at Suncorp Stadium, I think that's really what they're pressing at the moment is it doesn't work for us and we need an alternative within the city of Brisbane because at the moment, it's, it, I think we had eight or 9,000 there at the weekend, which all things considered in the rain and all the rest of it isn't a bad effort, but it's just not enough to make Suncorp Stadium viable. Exactly. Well, that's been the big problem as well. And I think like the hope has been there for, what, 15 years now that eventually the Roar are going to start you know, getting 20,000 people in there every week. And look, as much as I would love it, you would love it, pretty much everyone here would love it. I think it's. I think the time has come to bite the bullet and say, all right, look, we don't think this is a viable option for us anymore. It's not a reasonable expectation. And honestly, by the time we're, we're seeing the Raw draw 20,000 people to, you know, a Saturday afternoon game against the Wellington Phoenix or the Central Coast Mariners or the Jets, Suncorp Stadium is probably going to be you know, in need of another rebuild. It's just, yeah. it is the sad truth of the A-League at the moment where I think it's time to maybe reevaluate their expectations over what this league is going to be. I definitely think so. I think 15,000 was about what they were averaging in their championship winning years and that was, I was that was regular season teams like Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory were around 15. Now it's down to 10 and I think at the break-even point I think in that story was about 13. So it's well short and I just think if you're averaging 15,000, that's fantastic at a boutique venue. If you can get 20 to 25 at Cycle regularly, absolutely play there. But it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen for anything but finals football. So maybe you have to play regular season games at a boutique venue, which is certainly something they're pushing for very heavily at the moment. And I don't look, think Dolphin's that venue, by the way. I think if you do take no, eight or nine games to Dolphin, it's just going to split the fan base completely. Exactly. Well, I, look, I'd be happy for them to go to four or five games at Dolphin next season for the A-League, especially if they wind up pairing it with double headers with, say, the, you know, uh, Y-League or whatever. Well, form. they're building the second set of um, dressing rooms up there as well, so you can absolutely do that now. And you have the W-League as well. So I think it's becoming a much more viable option as, you know, the second best venue for a team like the Raw. And then keep in mind, you've also got that new stadium in Townsville next year, so you might only see the Raw at Suncorp Stadium for, you know, six, seven, yeah. eight games next year because, well, it's just not worth the investment for them to lose money. Yeah. Despite the fact that it is so... Despite the, fact, despite the fact that Suncorp is so convenient for everybody to get to, I think what we've learned also about this fan base is if they're incredibly fickle and will look for any excuse not to go. It will also The fan base will also travel to Dolphin in the right circumstances. They've sold it out on a wet, wet day like we're having now for the first game, but that was a 3 or 4 o'clock kickoff from memory on Sunday afternoon. It's a it's a perfectly reasonable time. You can get home if you're on the south side by dinner time and all the rest of it. So if you tried to play nighttime games there, that could be very, very difficult. I mean, we've been there for FFA Cup ties and not left till nearly 11. And one of them was even later on that, thanks to a lengthy injury. so they're Add extra time. And yeah. But if you, if you do try to play 7.30 up there, particularly on a Friday night, for example, people trying to get there through the peak hour traffic, that could be very difficult. So if you do play Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon, I think there's a market there for that. But And you can turn it into a day out. Yeah. Well, the other and then you have more marquee event games at Suncorp. 
what I'm trying to, what I'm also trying to say is like, like you and I, we both see the comments online and everywhere where they say, oh, 6.30 is too early to get to Suncorp and 7.30 is too late. It's a fan base that look, and look, I'm, except this probably isn't exclusive to Brisbane, this is just what I'm seeing. It's a fan base that looks for any excuse not to go. And with all due respect to Fox, but with them half-assing their TV coverage this year, get to the games. Yeah, it hasn't been great, has it? You're absolutely right about that. I don't know if it's just Brisbane, which is like, I think Sydney FC have this issue a lot with their fan base, particularly given when they're at Sydney Football Stadium, not the most convenient ground to get to public transport-wise. They had the same issue. I think some of the other clubs have it as well. It's very difficult to get people into the ground at the moment. I just, but if with Foxtel's coverage, I think, yeah. why wouldn't you at the moment? Because it's, well, that's it. they have dropped their stand. We have to be fair about that. Oh, that's it. And look, I said, you know, Adam Peacock, Tara Rush and Simon Hill. Yeah, I don't think it's people, the on-air time. I think it's that's people what behind I'm, the scenes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, those guys still are clearly busting their butts trying to put out the best available product. But quite clearly behind the scenes, and I'm seeing it with the Super Rugby as well, there's very little interest in putting together the best possible product behind this, like from the, you know, button yeah. counters or whatever. There's tears to their coverage and to how much effort and emphasis they put on certain sports, isn't it? It's pretty clear. I'm just saying Optus will be a fantastic coverage when they get there. But anyway, my, my whole point is what you've got now is a situation where the stadium should be the best available option. And look, we see the raw post before every game. Hey, this is what we've got going on around the stadium. So if you want to get here a little bit early, you can come do target shooting. You can come play FIFA. You can it's, come do this. Yeah. They're trying to turn it into a match day event. But the problem is like, Again, everyone's saying, oh, I've got, to, I've got to go to work, or I've got something else on, I've got, I've got my own life, and yeah. The thing is, that stuff's been largely the same for the last three or four years. Maybe they might need to come up with some slightly different activation points around the ground. Yeah. Because they're very similar to what they've had all down the years, and they might have been successful. Well, but I maybe don't... You, don't, you need to mix things up every now and again. Otherwise, for families and kids who have been, yeah, I, I did the target kicking thing, I played the FIFA, all the rest of it, I don't really want to go in early enough to do that stuff this time, week. yeah. Well, I know one uh, thing they have added in the last year, and not so subtle plug for a former employer of mine, Ginger Sport. They've got their field set up, I think, down on the northern end near where okay. we used to do fan cams. So they're, they're trying to bring in more local yeah. businesses as well. So that's something that does at least warrant, you know, a little bit of yeah. praise as well. And, you know, the fact that I, mm. I like Ginger Sport as well. It's good <laughs> to see them there as well. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's the stadium rant. There was one thing you saw last night, actually, about uh, the Olympics report. Yes, the, I think the Queensland government put out a report yesterday, pretty much verifying that in their mind, on the on the on the calculations they've done, it's going to be cost neutral at best. So they're progressing forward with that. And both of the news reports I saw mentioned a boutique stadium somewhere around Albion. So that might be a long-term thing of where the Raw's hypothetical boutique stadium ends up being. Yeah, absolutely. that might be. It's it might be. It might not be. But I just. I noted that with a bit of interest when they mentioned that quite prominently in the story. So. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, I think we mentioned last week the Albion Park uh, trots. Yeah, there's something going on there about that being sold off or and re- repurposed. So maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Or maybe there's some other part of some other open area that the, the state government is looking at to build this this um, stadium, which I think is they're looking at making as the athletic stadium as well. For the case of the Olympics and then downside or something like that. Okay, that I can that yeah, I can make. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's boutique, but they're expanding it for that. But. Which does also bring QSAC into play as well. That was also mentioned. Already, yeah. Okay, so I suppose it's a case of uh, watch this space for the stadium developments. I'm just glad we've had that to rant about a little yes. while. It's been helpful this last couple of weeks, hasn't it? It really has. Um, so, gone to some transfer news as well. Ki Sung Yung not moving to the K League, and according to Marco's story <laughs> in the Courier Mail today, he's also not coming to Brisbane. Uh, now, there's a quote from, I believe, Fowler? This quote's from Fowler, yes. yes. We can't afford him, and I don't think anybody in the A-League could. I know I went to school here, but we have to be realistic. The story also says that the Royal haven't made an approach because the backeries don't want marquee players. But That was a quote from Fowler. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something yeah. along those lines. They don't believe in marquee players or building around a particular individual, I think is the exact quote. Yeah, exactly. Or something similar, anyway. Yeah, I'd be... I'm a little bit sceptical of that approach, but... Either I just way. find it odd. I mean, even Why not it, ask? It's, it's, it's my point. Even if it's not for right now, if you if you touch base with Key and his his management group, even if they turn around and say, not at this time, we're not quite interested in accepting an offer in the A-League, it at least starts that dialogue. So if in two, three years' time, it is an option for him. You've already touched base with him. You've already got some sort of contact 
which could give you a, a leg up over some of the competition down south. Or maybe even a second team in Brisbane by that point may also have eyes on, on him. And I think just to come out now and to say it's too expensive, which in fairness, it probably is based on the figures that were quoted in that story. That's probably perfectly justified, but surely you at least touch base with him and get in contact for future reference. And also, like, well, I saw the figure quoted uh, was something in the area of seventy-seven thousand per week, and I'm, Australian, yeah, Australian, mm. which okay, that's more than what that's uh, that's probably <laughs> that's what a lot of people are making. Yeah, that's a, that's completely out there. But if you don't touch base, you can't you can't have any chance of signing him in the future. So exactly. Well, he's thirty-one, and look, it's understandable he wants to cash in at this point in his career. It's probably his last big opportunity to do so. He's at the back end of his prime. If you can get a two, three-year deal, maybe in the Middle East somewhere where they do have quite big contract offers out there. Maybe that's something he and might... short-term contract. Absolutely. Well. Maybe We've seen plenty of players do that as well on the way back from Australia. Brett Holman did that. For example, if you recall, he played a couple of years in the, in the Middle East before coming back to Australia. So maybe maybe that's something he's going to look at, but I'd want to keep... In, I would like the Royal to have... at least have that option out there as a future plan. Well, that's it. And that's also the attitude that we saw, we saw from um, Perth Glory when Zlatan was available. Yeah. They said, hey, look, we're going to send a pitch. What's the worst that can happen? He says yeah. no. Well, most people laughed at the fact that when Perth Glory put an offer in for Zlatan, yeah, it would have been phenomenal if it happened. But obviously, if you don't ask, you can't. You're not even in the picture. Exactly, and you also uh, find a lot of people saying, "Well, why don't they show any ambition trying to sign these sorts of players?" Then when they do, they get mocked. So, yeah, it's a lose-lose situation. It's difficult, isn't it? But with this one, I think a lot of people would understand. Most people know his history with Brisbane. I think most people would be. We're quite excited when we posted it last week, all the week before that he was a free agent. That's the happiest I've seen you in about three years. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? <laughs> but a lot of people were really excited by the prospect of him coming. And look, it's not going to happen now. Hopefully it happens in the future, but we'll have to wait and see. Exactly. And look, all you can do is ask. That's all you've got to say is make contact and go, hey, look, we know we're not going to be able to match your last contract, but what would it take for you yeah. to be interested in coming back here? Yeah. Do you have any interest in still pl- returning to Brisbane at the back end of your career or not? Because he may also say, I, I have no interest in playing in the A-League. I want to... Yeah. Yeah. But, what, but what, if he says that, you at least then know the answer and you can you can say, yeah, we tried, he's not interested. Another point that came up in that story as well is the raw opening discussion from Jacob Pepper. And we heaped a bit of praise on him last week yeah. as well. Like He's, you know, not one of the superstars of the team, but he's finding a role where... He would be pretty hard to replace if you wound up having to miss a game or two. At this squad, I don't think there's anybody who could fill that defensive-minded midfield role. They've got Aidan O'Neill on the bench, but he's not. He's more of a creative midfielder than a defensive-minded one. I think Pepper's been really impressive this season in that role, reverting back to midfield. I think we all thought he was going to be in that mixed play in the back three for the Raw this year, but he's reverted back to midfield, and he's looked really good in that holding midfield role, stopping attacking midfield. We talked last week about actually Ninkovic, he did quite a good job on. Yeah, and he's one of the best in the A-League in that role, so he's doing a really good job there, and I think he's one of the sort of players that probably be happy to re-sign. I wouldn't be surprised if this eventually gets done at some point, because, again, he seems been here a few years, seems pretty settled, and he's doing a good job, and he's in and around the first team. It's not a lot, well, not many reasons why you would want to move on, really, unless someone's going to come over the top with a substantial offer. Victory! Oh, sorry, did I say well, victory, that Well, they love to sign raw players. I don't know if Peppers will be this time. Maybe at some point in the future. Exactly. They do love. To, they love copying everything the Raw do. They played a three-four-one-two the other day. Well, Same formation. We should, it's it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's like imitation copying. is the seri- is the best form of flattery. Sincerest form of flattery. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, another player who, well, is rumored to be on his way to the Raw, but I've got major doubts over this. Uh, ben Halloran. He scored on Saturday night in Brisbane, and well, there are. There was talk that uh, Robbie Fowler might be taking a look at him based on his quotes on a Friday press conference. So let's hear what he has to say now. I, you know what? I, this, I mean, I, this talk of us signing is, is, is far from the truth. You know, I, mean, I was asked a, pre, uh, a question in a press conference, um, will we sign him? Look, you know, the simple answer is, look, he, he's off contract. Um, and you know, any player who's off contract and any club in the A-League will talk about every player who's off it because obviously they're trying to fill the squad for the next season uh, that is all we've done he has been mentioned in a, in a conversation and that is as far as we've gone so look are we going to sign him you know we've had a chat that is it I mean that is, that is it. but we've had chats about lots of other players as well okay so that was Robbie Fowler in his Friday press that conference that was after the game on Saturday after the game on Saturday yep. okay my mistake so you've, you had doubts about him coming I, after listening to that I absolutely have doubts that he's coming I think it's it's a short listing right you look around the whole league who's off contract who might make sense for the way we want to play? Who's from around this area and want to bring players back? 
he's one who you'd look at as on the short list. As you, as you heard Robbie say that they've had a conversation about it. Who knows if they're actually seriously interested or not. Yeah, exactly. You would expect every club to be looking at pretty much every player who's off contract. Absolutely. And it is just due diligence. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And let's be honest, if, you know, the way after Halloran scored, if, you know, that of us said, oh, he's off contract and former raw player, would you be have any interest in bringing him back? It's like, oh, I didn't know that. Can you imagine what would have happened if he'd gone the other way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it would be ridiculous if he'd said that. So I looked there. They might be looking at him seriously. They might just, he might be an option somewhere down the list. Who knows? But. It's, it is that time of the year where clubs are looking at opposition players about who they might look to sign, who's not, because obviously a lot of players are coming off contract in about three months' time, and they all, well, they all want to secure their futures, right? They don't want to be waiting too long to wonder, am I staying my, where I am now? Am I moving into state and all the rest of the, everything that comes from that? So it's, a, it's that time of year where these things tend to happen. And legally, I'm fairly sure the Raw can actually go and approach him now. Yeah, from January 1st, I think, if you send a letter to the club notifying them that, look, we are going to speak to your player he's off contract and then you can yeah you're right you can speak to him I think every club in the league just sends off a whole bunch of those letters on January 1st yeah we're going to speak to him this guy this guy this guy yeah just copy and paste from uh, your spreadsheet of off yeah. contract players <laughs> uh, well these guys say they're off contract so we're going to contact the representatives of him 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 not him they might need, <laughs> they might have a more official um, list of free agents than my than my um, unofficial spreadsheet that's to say that so they're they wouldn't need that to find out who's off contract, that's for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, possibly Ben Halloran. Uh, the Roar have also opened a new academy in Port Macquarie. So, um, watch out Newcastle Jets. That's all interesting, isn't it? It's very much down in Newcastle Jets territory. And it, I think it probably says more about the Jets and their their academy and where they're at than it does the Roar. Because the Roar have got academies from Cairns all the way down to Port Macquarie now in terms of centres where they're developing young players. And I think it's going to... I don't think they're going to bring every young player who shows a bit of promise from Port Macquarie to Brisbane. I think it's going to be if they find an exceptional talent, they might bring those players up. Because you think about it, it's a very big move for a family, for someone moving from Port Macquarie to Brisbane, on the on the chance that they might be able to make a under-14s, under-15s, Brisbane Raw boys or girls squad. So it'll be probably really top top quality players that they're able to get out of Port Macquarie if they find any. If they do find any, it's worth it, really. Because the academy at the moment, you they're putting real emphasis on it, aren't they? Because Warren Moon's there now as the director. They've opened up a lot of these centres. Now they're into New South Wales and Port Macquarie. They're really expanding that out there to see to cast net as far and wide as they can to find the best talent. Absolutely. And look, I think that's a really good sign, possibly about what you know, you're hoping the future of the A-League is going to be. Because if they are looking to develop the best young talent from you know, all the way down to Port, Ma- Port Macquarie to yeah. you know, north and central Queensland... Yeah. It does mean that, you know, they've got to think, all right, a financial model for us for the future could involve us being a selling club, yeah. but one that sells overseas or, you know, possibly even to other A-League sides eventually. Yeah. And that might be their way of essentially starting to make back some of the money that they've lost. Absolutely. It's it's funny, though, because you know, Newcastle Jets, Angus Thurgate, one of their more prominent young players of recent times, he's from Port Macquarie. You would have thought, gee, we found Angus Thurgate in Port Macquarie. Maybe we'd... Put, put extra effort on that area to see if anyone else around that calibre pops up. You would have thought that would be a plan. I don't know what's happening with the Jets in that sense, but for Brisbane, it makes a lot of sense if you can infiltrate an enemy territory and find some young talent. Absolutely. And I would actually have to confirm whether or not the Jets have an academy. I don't know. I imagine they do. They've got an NPL youth side, so I assume they've got academy Something. systems feeding into that, but I don't know. Definitely. Uh, in case you haven't worked this out already, Scott and I are just recording straight through instead of taking any breaks because it's wet, we're tired, and I'm a little hurt. So, All those things. Yes. And I want to get home and have dinner. So, <laughs> that, That's probably it as well. And I've got my wife and dog looking at me like, you're an idiot. That's regular. That's not anything special. Especially for the dog. <laughs> as Trixie tries to make a little guest appearance on uh, Scott's shoulder there. Okay. Matildas, two wins oh, from yes. two and into the final round of Olympics qualifying. They belted Chinese Taipei and Thailand, 7-0 and 6-0 respectively, and have their final game against China tomorrow night as we're recording. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of these two games, not too much, but... It's I've seen, seen all I needed to. It's pretty smooth sailing, isn't it, really? I think they've done what they had to do against two sides down there, which are, you would expect them to finish ahead of in this group stage. Now they play against China for the... Right to finish top of the group. It's, I don't know. How, I don't don't know what the crossover looks like at the moment in terms of who plays who. But if they can get top of the group, it's a good sign. But 
they've done all they had to do so far. I think seven nil and six nil from memory. Should have been seven against Thailand. Yeah. Just for what symmetry. was what four goals in five minutes or something ridiculous like that? It was a real a real good performance against Thailand and a better side than China's Taipei. So Thailand's actually quite decent, but the, the Matildas side just continues to roll on and they're bringing through some more young players in the squad as well. So. I think they'll they're through to the final round of qualifying now comfortably, and they should probably beat China on Thursday, and then you'd imagine they'll qualify from here. But it's can they take that extra step at the actual Olympic Games to win the medal? Definitely, because they were so close last year to playing for one against Brazil. Yeah, that was gut wrenching, wasn't it? It was. I remember watching that down in Melbourne with a couple of the Daily Football Show guys. Oh yes, that Brazil game. Anyway, uh, NPL round one or part of it anyway. <laughs> There was a game Saturday night, uh, which I thought was phenomenally uh, commentated on. Should I ask you questions about this game? Because I didn't actually get to see much of it. Is that because I was commentating on it? Well, I was at Suncorp, and the highlights I did see were about four or five minutes, and actually didn't feature your commentary, so that was a win-win on my behalf. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to uh, talk to FQ about that. But yes, Power 8, Magpies 1, and... Uh, last night there was a they were able to get one rescheduled uh, match yep. in as well. Olympic one, Gold Coast United nil in a match that I think is probably going to be possibly a finals uh, rematch as well. It very well may be because Gold Coast United looked pretty decent in this game. They were solid. I think they just they might have lacked a bit of fluidity in terms of getting to getting used to one another. In terms of they've got some big additions. Shane Smeltz didn't play, but they, it's very it was very actually much like both sides are trying to get used to one another because the Olympic have a lot of new players in their side as well, but. Their front third's just got bags of pace. That's going to be a real weapon for them making runs in behind. Lek and Yinka Kahinda, along with Lofthouse, we know about. Those three players are going to be cause chaos, making runs in behind all season long. Without a doubt. Now, I will... Lofthouse was brilliant last night, do I have to say. He was... As we would expect. Yeah. He was right... He looked like he was in mid-season form. There was no no slow start season for Jez Lofthouse. He was in fantastic form. Definitely not. And we will just quickly touch on our power magpies. That was, of course, rescheduled to the home of Caboolture FC because uh, they had a pitch there that was actually, all things considered, in phenomenal nick. It did look quite good, actually. I mean, originally I heard it was on the synthetic field there, but it obviously wasn't. But it was moved it around. Yeah, it it looked really good, the field over there. So they've obviously got a terrific drainage system for an MPL club. Oh, not even that. They're a Capital League One club from memory, Caboolture. So. To have, to have their field in that condition with the amount of rain that's been on is phenomenal. And it's a fantastic venue as well up there at um, Moreton Bay Sports Complex. Okay. So, yeah, that was... like It was a close game for the first half. Like yeah. Magpies were very much on the back foot for the whole 90 minutes, but they did everything they could to try and keep it competitive. But you, like you saw, once it sort of hit 3-0, 4-0 just after yeah. half-time, their heads went down and... Yeah, unfortunately, that was just the way that it wound up playing out. It sounds like a very similar start for Peninsula Power as last season because they obviously went to Lions with a bit of an upset in the um, FSDFQPL defending champions. So that was that's very similar to how they started last year. And also Sam Cronin was the star of the show that night at Lions and it sounds like he was the star of the show again on Saturday night in Caboolture. Yeah, he absolutely was. Like, four goals. And that fourth one actually was a pretty decent strike from range. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to... If he could just stay healthy for a full season, yeah. there's no no telling how many goals he could score from Mivio because he's a real standout player. Well, that was the one thing that really does stand out for me about uh, Pen Pal. Obviously, they've got Marek Madley up front, but like that midfield, there are goals everywhere yeah. in it. But how did Madley fit in up there? Actually, Does he settled in quite nicely, or yeah, he looked like he he looked uh, like he was fitting in quite well. Bagged himself a brace with a couple of clever finishes, and I think the key for him is just going to be you know winning those physical battles week in week out. Well, he's certainly got the um, attributes to do that, hasn't he? He's a big, strong... I don't think he's a target man, but he can kind of play that way. But he's strong enough to hold the ball up, isn't he? It's not something he's going to struggle doing. No, but he's still nimble enough to actually get by the um, get by the defenders when he needs to. It's Josh Kennedy-like, isn't it? Got the height to hold the ball up, but he's also good enough to get him behind as well. Definitely. And they did try and get him involved early on as well. But what I noticed, though, was especially Josh Woolley, he was making the sort of opposite run to Mardley because... Obviously, you know, you see the big striker, you're going to run with him, and then you have yeah. Woolley just going the other way, yeah, essentially. That, that makes sense as well. They make good, it's good small movement they've got there, something to keep an eye on, perhaps. And we should also mention from uh, Magpie's Crusaders' perspective as well, like, it was a decent hour, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it all just kind of fell apart very quickly. Not least of which was for uh, Clancy Robinson, who came on as, I think, an 86-minute sub, and then got sent off for a stomp in the 91st minute. I think for Magpies, it's, all, it's probably a real eye-opener for them. About, right, this is the level that we need to be at if we're going to contend in the NPL this year, because 
their pre-season up has been basically about playing against sides in northern Queensland. The players are from South Australia, a lot of them. They're not. So I imagine this was a real eye-opener for them. Like, right, this is where we need to get to. And now they'll, they'll go away and work towards getting towards that if they can. Absolutely. And look, I have no doubt that they will win enough games to survive. Yep. They have plenty of quality there to... Kyron oh, Walters especially. Actually, that whole front three. If you get a team that, you know, maybe treats the trip to Mackay as a little bit of a holiday rather than a business trip, I think you could see uh, Magpies get, you know, a couple of big wins. But it, it is a sign that, you know, it is a young squad, a whole lot of change. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done up there. Uh, it's always been the case then that trip to Mackay for teams up there has to be taken seriously, otherwise you can drop points. We saw Olympic last year actually drop points up there amongst others, so it certainly is like that. For travel down for them is really difficult. I don't touch you. Um, how did Vogels look? Of Lugels, sorry, the Belgian midfielder. Uh, he was all right. He like did he, he did his best, but obviously you know it was a midfield that wound up being overrun yep. by a pretty pretty good uh, power midfield as well. So, uh, and they did also set up to play on the counter a lot. Yep. So he was doing probably a bit more defensive work than maybe he would have been comfortable with. Okay, but look, there's work. To, there's you know reason for optimism. And the reason we are talking about this game so much is because I did call it, so I've got quite a good memory of it. There's also only two games to talk about. I think That's the, the Olympic game was typical what you expect of Olympic. They were very fluid in the way they played, played formation switches quite often, and and then you have the pace in the front third, so it was a new dynamic for them, but they seem to have taken off quite nicely. It's, they had some good pre-season form, and they brought that into round one against the team, as we talked about in our season preview show, someone who could absolutely make noise this year. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, so the other five games this weekend were all postponed. So Lions were meant to be playing tonight, but, uh, yeah, that's not happening. They've had the double washout. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all, so uh, I suppose your best bet is to keep an eye on the club socials for when those rescheduled games will be played. There may be some more this weekend as well, unfortunately, with all the rain. I think Redlands United actually at the weekend had some flooding in their clubhouse, so hopefully that's able to be sorted out for them in the near future because that's... That's a, that could be serious. Not not damage, but it's a it's a blow to a to an NPL club, which they don't always have um, an abundance of available finances to fix these things up. I think it came down the hill from the Cleveland school down. Yes, it did. to them. So hopefully that's able to be sorted out for them very soon. Definitely. So well, Redlands are at home on Saturday. One of five games. Yes, I can count. You got us. Well, at the moment, City against Penn Power, Morton Bay against Sunshine Coast, Redlands against Lions. Magpies hosting strikers. That one I actually think is probably... That may very well be the only game that goes on. It's uh, a good chance, actually. And then you've got the Gold Coast derby as well down at Copley. Hopefully which... that goes ahead because it's the... And it's a good night because the two derbies last year... The, first, the one down at Copley where this one is was rained out. And they and got played rescheduled. And then the game at um, Croatian Sports Centre was a rainy night as well. So it's, it's... They get good crowds even in the rain, but I'd just love to see what sort of... Um, Interest there is on a really good night down there at the Gold Coast. So hopefully, at least on the Gold Coast, the weather clears up and that game can go ahead with some good conditions. Because I think it could be a belting game between a really growing rivalry between those two sides. Look, I wouldn't be opposed to a little bit of rain just to add to the atmosphere of the night, but yeah. And then you've also got Sunday, the Raw hosting Capalabar and Olympic hosting Easts. Yeah, I think I think they need FQ might to look at that in terms of the Raw playing at uh, playing MPL games on the same day they play A League. I think well, they're it, not because. No, because they're, oh, they are. Sunday, You're right. they're on mistake. Sunday afternoon, so I'm getting ahead of myself yeah, a week. It's very difficult. It's un- it's unfortunate in terms of in terms of maybe young players won't travel now to Melbourne. They'll have to play up here. Well, again, assuming the game even happens, so yeah. it's, it's an unfortunate, fortunate scheduling issue that might need to be looked at. But look, at, at the end of the day, the Raw are the one club in the NPL with a professional setup, yeah. so surely they should have the resources there to handle split duty. That's true too. I don't know, that, that's kind of where I come down. And look, if the young players need game time, which at this point they probably would, yeah. it, there's nothing wrong with saying, all right, well, we might go with a little bit of a shorter bench for the A-League because it's not like they're all going to wind up getting food poisoning from the lasagna. You would hope not. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, big transfer news that came out today yes. as well. Matt Smith has signed with Brisbane City. So I think that does impact uh, Gold Coast Knights as well. I think it really does hurt the Knights. They've now lost both members of their starting central defensive unit from the grand final, see Oscar Dillons with Western United. We might talk about that later on, but to lose both of those players, I think they could have found someone who could fill in with for Oscar Dillon, just because Matt Smith can probably work with any defender out there, but to lose both of them, and this I don't know when this was confirmed, but if this is a last-minute thing, and this could really hurt Gold Coast Knights in terms of 
their defensive solidity because they have lost a couple of players in their defensive unit. And you asked me the question at the weekend, actually, what does it do for City? And I kind of thought it didn't move them anywhere. But I, I forgot about the fact they brought back Sam Subutuara and Stephen Snaith to improve their midfield. If those two players fit in nicely, they might have a really well-rounded 11 now. I still don't think they can make the top four, but they might be a fair bit better than they were last year. I think this kind of solidifies City is where I... Well, in that sort of... They'll be able to beat any team in the top four on their day. I just don't know how they're going to go uh, consistency-wise. However, you know, I could also see them doing that Western Pride thing from a few years ago where they sign a couple of players mid-season and then they just go on a huge run. It's entirely possible. Also, we can't discount the fact that Matt Smith, as a senior player also, I think he's football director there now, he's got some role off-field as well. Having him around that club where they bring through a lot of young players... That could really benefit those young players in that side in terms of the experience he can pass on, the leadership he can show on the field to guide them around the field. I think that could be really, really valuable, particularly for that side. It was beneficial to Gold Coast Knights, but they've got a lot of experience anyway. At Gold Coast, at Gold Coast Brisbane City, where they don't necessarily have too much, they've got Slawsno up front and now Smith at the back. I think it could be really beneficial for them. Absolutely. All right, uh, quick W League uh, note as well. It's back this weekend. It is a three-week break. It's back. The Raw game's been pushed back 24 hours because of the um the, the fact the China game had to be moved moved um because of the obviously coronavirus. So they moved it to Thursday, which means the 72-hour window that you can't play. They moved it to Sunday. So you've got to go. So they'll have to go from probably Sydney to Perth, which you imagine most of them will do. Yeah, absolutely. That's what. That's why it's been pushed back a day. Feeling confident about their chances? They have to win the game. There's no alternative. If they don't win the game, they won't be in the finals. There we go. Uh, one player who may be making her Brisbane Raw debut on uh, Sunday is Shay Connors, who's new signing from Logan Lightning. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see too much of her last year, but I think she's got a really good goal-scoring record. And look, again, there is a vacancy in that Raw side for a genuine goal scorer. We've seen it this year. I think Alira Toby stepped into that role recently, but she might have moved on. So there's a, And also Hayley Razzo's gone as well. So there is a vacancy in that front there for someone to step in and hopefully score some goals. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's a good. It'll be a good test for the Roar, and fingers crossed they can go and get the result. Uh, similarly, we hope the A League uh, side can get a result over uh, down in Ballarat. Yes. Speaking of must-win games, this is I think seventh hosting sixth going into the weekend, and you look at the teams below both sides on the table. I don't think Melbourne Victory, West Sydney Mariners, or Jets are going to make that late season burst of form to push into the top six. So it could very well come down to these two sides for that sixth spot. So this is a huge game for the Raw in many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's I think there's so much riding on this as well. And obviously, you know, there was that game at Suncorp Stadium two months ago. Early December, yeah. Yeah, which was essentially, like for all intents and purposes, it was a huge turning point in their season. It was. I think that was the line in the sand moment, wasn't it? Because they had a bye week straight after that. And then after that, it's when we saw Mirza Muradovic make his debut, Brad Inman, really hit his form. So since that since that last defeat to Western United, I think they've only lost one game, haven't they? To Sydney. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's... so it was a real line in the sand moment. And the hope, hope to take that momentum down to Western United, I don't think played at the weekend, did they? No, they had a bye. They had a bye. So they've had... It was Derby weekend and the new club hasn't quite earned it. <laughs> they don't have derby a Derby yet. yet, no. Yeah, even we had the Aloisi Derby. Absolutely. The Aloisi Derby was a decent shout. Absolutely. So, uh, one player who won't be playing this game, though, is Scott McDonald. It was a cause of his release, I think, where he's yeah. not able to play Western United at the very least this yeah. weekend and possibly when or if the sides meet again. It's interesting. I think the, I was listening to um, the Fox podcast the other day with Laurie McKinner on there, and he was he mentioned that the Raw tried to put the same clause in Roy O'Donovan's contract, and they eventually got that taken out. So, they don't, so the Raw don't have it that Roy O'Donovan can't play late in the year. Well, I think they're coming back to Suncorp, so... So they tried to put it in there, and obviously they couldn't, and the McDonald clause has it. I think it's interesting just to see who's going to replace so Donovan, because you would imagine Muradovic is going to start. I think it's going to be that's Holloway. My, that's what I'm thinking, because I don't know that Robbie Fowler will start Muradovic and Wenzel Halls. I don't know if that's a physical enough front line for what he's looking for, so I wouldn't be surprised if for this week it's Muradovic and Amadi Holloway, because we saw when, when Merza came into the side, that was the duo up front for the first couple of games before he got Holloway got his injury. So I think that might be what we see. I w- Which I'm not against at all. I think that I think you do want to have one experienced striker on the field at this point. Because Mercer's got quality, but he's still very young. And absolutely. you want to have somebody up there who can help through the game, particularly against that back line with the experience it's got with Durante and all the rest of them. So. Absolutely. And 
I, I do worry that it, we might wind up seeing Brad Inman, who I don't think is well suited to that role. That's also possible because then you bring you push everyone forward a line. O'Shea moves into number ten, and O'Neill into hold move her next to Pepper. That might be an, also an option, but I'm with you. I'd rather see Holloway and Muradovic play. I that, think that midfield's functioning well enough at the moment that I wouldn't want to change it too much. If I was going to change it, I'd actually bring O'Neill in for O'Shea if I was going to change anything in there, but I think I'd leave it as is at the moment and just change your front line accordingly. Absolutely. And the other thing as well is, I'm curious to see how Western United attack this game because yeah. when they came to Suncorp, they clearly just said, yeah, you're not scoring on us, so we're not worried about that. In the second half, that's certainly what they did. They didn't park the bus. They, parked, they didn't do that in the first half. They might have parked the plane, to be honest with you, the way how defensive-minded they were, but I think for their point of view, it's a home game for them. If, I think the Raw would... They might not be happy with the draw, but it's better for them if it is a draw. Western United are at home against a team they're fighting with for that final final playoff spot. I think they have to be far more expansive this time, which could benefit the Raw. Absolutely. All right, so we'll finish off as we usually do. Scott, the story of this weekend's game is going to be... Which game are you talking about? The A-League game. I think it could be a draw. I'm going to say... Uh, Fowler and Rudan have another have another sideline confrontation. Oh, please let that happen. Please let that happen. We need things to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Can we get Dave Pure in it like last time as well? That was great. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Th- and we can get someone from Western United to join us. Steve in. So Horvath, There maybe? we go. We can get him involved as well. Let's get some fun involved. Is there a Royal Rumble thing on at the moment oh, in I, WWE? Oh, or? I wish Adam was here. He could answer that question. Definitely. Well, Adam may or may not be back next week. We actually don't have his travel itinerary on hand. And You also haven't decided if he's allowed back, have you? Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. But uh, we are holding something. We are holding hostage, so. Yes, absolutely. We yeah. don't negotiate with hostages, so. <laughs> <laughs> we don't negotiate. No, no, no. You're right. We don't negotiate with the hostage either. No. Anyway, um, I'll do my complete sentence. Oh wait, I already did. You did. You said there's going to be a an argument between Pere, not Pere, Fowler and and Rudin. Definitely. All right. So that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good to see you again, James. Yes, and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Trixie. Yep. <laughs> Our cool. producer's very happy with that show, so it's all good. That's the important thing. And uh, yes, thanks for listening, whether it's podcast, Football Nation Radio. However, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Get out to the football if you can this weekend. If we'll it's on. <laughs> if it's on, stay dry, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>